Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. I'm, I'm ready when you're ready. I'm just going to make all this up on the spot. What you mean is as you normally do. <laughs> no, I, I have been thinking um, whilst pooing um, about what <laughs> I'm actually so very glad that I hit record earlier. <laughs> well, it's not going to work now then if I've just come in halfway through a recording. Well, I started recording after you joined. Hello, Dara. Uh, okay. Hello. You, you could do it as a soundbite. You brought me your milk bottle. His best thought processes whilst pooing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. What else do you think? True. Sorry to interrupt this recording, but my little girl just brought me her milk bottle through, as she always does whenever she finishes her milk before she goes to bed. It doesn't matter if I'm not in the or by the kitchen sink like I normally am or something like that. She just brings it to me anyway. So I'm sat there recording a podcast and she just hands me this empty bottle of milk. Routine. Routine. She's very good at learning shit. I'll give her that. Let's get it from Jenna. What, darling? What? Do you want the back? There you go, then. Bye. She's taking it back off me weird you're not done bye <laughs> she just looked at me and shut the door <laughs> dad uh, i've had enough of your shit <laughs> pretty much uh okay well um i think we're on episode number 82 or 3 i think it's 83 but i can't quite remember i think it's 83. um i haven't checked in ages um let's not wait for paul to check because the people listening might be thinking this is really fucking boring waiting for them to finish so <clears throat> doesn't really matter does it i'm sure they'll know because i'll put it in the title of the episode it's which is which is let's, um, it'll be something along the lines of what we learned in 2018 cool what have we learned i don't know exactly That's, that'll be a short episode no um <laughs> I, I know it's not a particularly original title um, given this is going out on Monday, the 31st of December, which is obviously New Year's Eve, which is the end, last day of the year. So, excuse me. Really? Yeah, really. So, um, yeah, not particularly original, but that's where we got the inspiration from. So, um, just to talk about anything we've learned, our experiences over the year, um, I wanted to kind of keep it, not necessarily keep it actually, no, but I thought the idea might be to have it around what we learned personally, but also what we've learned with our clients. Yeah. So I hope you two have done some form of preparation, i.e. at least cast your mind back across the year to decide what has been most prominent for you. I mean, to be honest, I'm happy to open this up, to be honest, to have to, to talk about maybe your highlights of 2018, personally, not just what you've learned. So it could actually be, let's tell a story about how cool a certain moment of your year was or whatever so um but before we do all that let's just find out what's happened because it feels like forever since we've actually recorded an episode so let's find out how how things have been ed how was your christmas yeah no it was nice um obviously I, i don't even know when the last time i came on was it it's been a couple of weeks um, but I think oh, last okay. time I came on, I was just moaning about how busy things were and things like that. So that's obviously all died down a little bit now. And um, yeah, I've actually managed to enjoy a few days off and a few days with family and just hang out with Alex. And yeah, it's been all good. Um, 
Christmas was chilled. It was really quiet this year, actually. Normally, we have huge, huge family Christmases, but this year, just everyone, we all just decided to do little Christmases. So, um, so that was kind of nice and, and different. Um, but yeah, um, just a standard family Christmas. Few bits of food and a few drinky drinks, and um, yeah, that's about it. Wait, 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 wait. Actually, Christmas. Sorry, right, so Christmas Day did. Lunch at uh, home with my uh, my parents, my sister, and my grandmother, um, and then I went to Alex's for the evening, and uh, she told me to bring around some board games. So I brought around some board games, and uh, I took Simpsons Monopoly. So not just any old Monopoly, Simpsons Monopoly round. And a brother was there, like, yeah, I always win, I always win, and all the grandparents were there, and like, oh, James always wins, James always wins, and I absolutely destroyed the whole lot of them. I was like the I don't know. Uh, I was just the tycoon of, of Monopoly. I owned all but six properties. I had like minimum of two houses on them all. Um, yeah, I just uh, I had like thousands in the bank. I was. Uh, I find Monopoly's yeah. Monopoly is a game that uh, generally leads the winner to whoever can stay up the longest because it's a game that never ends. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when you own most of the properties, every time they like rolled the dice, it just landed on another one of mine. Wow. So. Yeah, it was good. It was good, um, and so that was that was my Christmas made by absolutely destroying everybody else at Monopoly. Uh, yeah, that's what Christmas is about. <laughs> yeah, beating family members <laughs> or future family members. Ooh, something you want to tell us? No, no, just maybe, maybe in the future. Who knows? Who knows? Gonna drop the clanger there, Ed. Well, there's no, there's no intention. I mean, she doesn't listen to this because she's sick of my guts anyway. So why would she then go in her own time and listen to my whiny voice even more? Um, but uh, no, there's no, there's no plans in the direct near future. Uh, but who knows what the future holds? The further future. Exactly. How much cheese did you eat? Um, not a lot. I ate quite a bit on Christmas Eve. Um, but I didn't I haven't eaten a lot of cheese for today. There's loads in the fridge, um, but uh, yeah. I, I have to, thing is though, I don't eat my own cheese. I I have to go and have like different cheese and stuff because obviously like, I have to look at my own cheese <laughs> every day. <laughs> um, so I I do have to buy other people. So uh, if if I was to eat a lot of cheese, it would be as costly as everybody else so kind of it's not really a perk of the job having cheese and then gin on the other hand that is a different story i've got two nice gins here well actually one's in the empty i've got a nice did one for you, christmas did you have the one did, were you allowed any of the ones that you had from me i've had i drank them easier i was gonna say it was a good while ago when you had them did yeah. uh, did you enjoy them yes they're very nice actually very good. nice good good there we go solid customer feedback right there yeah. <laughs> What's um? How was your Christmas then, Paul? My Christmas, I again like quite quiet. I spent it with my two, well, my nieces, my Ava, who's far four, five, and the newest newborn, Ren. And my parents came, went up to my sister's house, and we had yeah, quite a quiet Christmas really. It was pleasant, very nice. Nice to get away. Although I had to sleep on like 
the floor, but with a sort of futon mattress, and that was crippling. Because I was only slept in like a sleeping bag, so I was sliding off it all the time, and I woke up with a very bad back. Oh, I've been there, mate. I once slept on a marble floor in Zanti. Mm. Yeah, just so my one of the guys in my room could get lucky. That is solid <laughs> wing. wing man. I know, yeah. I know. Um, that got so unbearable. I don't know if I've told this story before, actually, I might have done. Uh, but that got so unbearable after a few hours that I ended up going outside and sleeping on uh, the, what do you call them? Um, Sunbeds by the pool, yes. I think I remember telling the story where the cleaners came around and woke me up about 5am. <laughs> Horrible. I, I, I remember um, sleeping, like, we were at a New Year's Eve party once. I was only like, I don't know, 14, 15, something like that. We were allowed like one Bacardi Breezer or whatever it was at the time. Um, and I slept on my friend's floor using his like, his rug that was on the floor as a duvet. Um, I can't even remember what I used as a pillow. <laughs> I had like a beanbag or something. Um, I literally lived across the road. And yet I decided to do that instead of uh, walk across the road and go home. <laughs> um, so, yes, it was... Um... Pretty, it was quite nice. Some very nice food. Nice, obviously the Christmas dinner. Even though I'm not the biggest fan of roasts, but it was very nice. Not what I've heard. Yes, there's that. <laughs> um. Anyway, as you bring the uh, tone down. No, yeah. So it was quite quiet. Um. I came back. I actually travelled back on Boxing Day. Which I'm glad because my parents left the next day, and whereas it took me three and a half, four hours to drive, it took them eight and a half hours. Ouch. Where were they travelling from and to to take eight hours? Um, they live sort of on from Luton, so it's up. But um, there was a big accident, I think, on the M25, probably, and it was they were they didn't move for like two hours. Oh God. And say in eight hours you can drive literally like Lands End to John O'Groats. Yeah. So that wasn't well for them. It wasn't fun, but no, it was fine. It was lovely, and now we, uh, I've got to decide when to take my tree down. Not till the new year, mate. Not till the new year. Yeah. <sighs> what did you get up to, Brett? How was your Christmas? Um, yeah, it's lovely. Thank you. Um, reasonably quiet. Uh, I'll say reasonably quiet. It's standard Christmas, really, more than anything, but. We did go out to lunch like we often do on Christmas Day. So we went to a lovely little place out uh, towards, well, in, on the Norfolk Broads um, called The Boat House in a place called Ormsby. And it's a lovely little place. So we went there for lunch, fabulous food, um, nice time. Just come back to our house in the evening and just had some family around. So kind of opened all our prints. Like, I find it funny as an adult that like, I don't open any Christmas presents often till probably six, seven o'clock at night time. Imagine as a child having to do that. Even now, my sister was still waking us up at nine o'clock to go downstairs and open presents. I, yeah. I could have slept until lunchtime easily. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I have vivid memories of being a child of, I don't know, 10 or whatever, say, and ringing my grandparents up because they would come over Christmas morning and we'd all open the presents with my grandparents. And I was ringing them up at like 4.30 a.m. telling them to come round. <laughs> I think I was up at 6.30, I think, with the yeah. niece. Well, it's just, obviously, like, Jenna's mum and dad aren't together, so Jenna's mum and dad... Well, actually, actually, I just lied, I suppose, because they did open some presents. I'll take that back. So we did exchange presents with Jenna's mum and dad first thing in the morning, about 10 o'clock. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we went out for lunch and then opened all the rest of the presents, like I say, about 6, 7 o'clock when everyone came around. So, yeah. 
Which is weird because I've still had all Jenna's presents that she bought me under the tree that I could have opened them, but I didn't. With the whole going out for lunch thing, we've never ever done it because dad's a keen chef, grandma's a keen chef, so they've always just loved putting on a spread. Um, I've never really entertained the idea of going out for lunch because I know when we have it at home, there'll be at least four, maybe five plates of roast dinner waiting yeah. for me. Well, um, well um, you go out, are you limited to one? Or? Let, yeah, well, let, let me put it into context for you. So I, until I met Jenna in 2000 and end of 2009, I think, around 2009, 2010, um, I also had never eaten out on Christmas. Always been Christmas around friends or at home. Oh, sorry, around friends, around family at home. And... I think I've eaten out pretty much every year since because once I went out and experienced what it was like to eat out, I just, to be honest, I don't want to, I don't want to eat in again anymore. That's weird. Like, and it's not, not, I mean, obviously I know you can obviously have it kind of festive and have all your family and stuff all together in one place, but you then got someone slaying around in the cooking all the time. Someone's got to clean up. Um, and I quite like just getting out and going somewhere obviously to, to be served on and be, and to eat out rather than in. Don't know why. Just quite nice. No, I, yeah, I totally understand that. It was more uh, I know, I know, from a piggy you, point of yeah, view. Yeah, I was about to say, and I'll be honest, mate, I don't think I've ever had a meal out where I've not walked away feeling that I'm pretty full. Like, this year was the, uh, I mean, the last couple of years went the same place, actually, but this year's like, like a carvery, so um, anyone who would see my Instagram would have seen the ginormous plate of food that I managed to kind of fill up and balance strategically on my plate. So, and obviously it's like three courses and, you know, like coffee and mince pies and stuff and afterwards and things, so... Yeah, you don't really um, you don't really go hungry. To be fair, like other Christmases, I've binged like, all day. Um, not so much the last few, but like this time, I think I had a bacon sandwich in the morning, and then actually I text you guys and I said I had a bacon sandwich in the morning, and didn't eat anything until about half past two, um, when mm. our wheels there had our lunch served to us. So yeah, yeah. I really didn't overindulge this Christmas at all. I've barely eaten any like chocolate chocolates, and well, I'm not a fan of mince pies and stuff, but. Drank a bit, but yeah. I, well, I've, I've drank, I've drank a bit, and I've eaten lots. Um, yeah, you have drunk a bit, for you. Yeah, and and I've eaten lots. Uh, don't get me wrong, I've, I've eaten tons, but just more. In fact, I'm probably eating less Christmas Day than I have done the, the subsequent days, ironically. Yeah, I, I found that because with going to Alex's uh, house and her grandparents being there. You kind of feel as though you can't be the slob you are at home. So <laughs> I didn't really drink much because I couldn't drink all day. Cause, well, I have a glass of wine, but didn't really drink all day because I knew I was going to have to be driving uh, to his. So, and I'd, I sort of had my typical three, four plates of uh, Christmas dinner, but that, that was about it, really. Um, I didn't really eat much in the evening because I didn't want to look like a fat, greedy shit. Besides uh, the three or four plates of Christmas dinner, I only had one. But, they didn't see that though. My nan was horrified with how much I ate. <laughs> she was there with like a little child portion on the plate. She could have eaten it off a side plate. Um, yeah, and no, I yeah I did load up. Um, but uh, well, my dad had made fifty six pigs and blankets for five people. Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram. That was ridiculous. <laughs> Do you think you ever done that a little bit? We, we did okay. I will admit we did not finish them all. There was probably, but there's only about I don't know, 10 15 left on the board. Yeah. So we, yeah, we, we had a good go at them. Uh, I think I ate more pigs and blankets than I did turkey. I, I was uh, going to say, I'm assuming you filled up your plate uh, purely with like cruciferous vegetables first, and then a tiny bit of protein and a tiny bit of, you know, starchy mashed potatoes. 
there was Obviously. a lot of veg on you know what i've missed veg over the last few months because i've just been eating on the fly so much so it's just been like sandwiches and stuff like that so i have actually really missed veg so i did load up on quite a lot of veg on the first plate and then the rest was just like potatoes and, and pigs and i, I, dark, I felt, me, I felt like that since christmas yeah. question for you so when you guys like in the the event of eating the christmas or roaster now do you eat i eat quite selectively like I will eat the vegetables first, then probably the meat, then the potatoes and stuffing. Nah. Or you just mush it all in? Um, well, I don't mush it all in, but I kind of go through rounds and bits. I don't like save Ooh. specific bits for specific times. Like Jenna's very much will save her best bits to last because she wants yeah. the last thing to have the taste to be the best bits. But I've always said that's very illogical or irrational because what happens if you get too full and then you don't you don't manage to either eat or you don't enjoy the last bit so much. It's a gamble. It is a gamble because it is true. <laughs> like um, you know, Stephen Guinay, Stefan, he talks all the way through parts of the of his book about studies of how your appetite wanes over a meal. So um, that is not logical to save the best bits till the end because you either either a won't enjoy them as much or b you won't even be able to finish them. But. In, if you're in a dieting phase, that would possibly be better. So say you ate all your lower-calorie veg and then Ed saved his 5,000 pigs and blankets, which obviously are much more calorie-dense, but then he was full up. If he'd ate them at the start... Probably more know. of them. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. This is one nice little hack or trick that you can use when you're dieting. There you go. There's one tip in uh, 20 minutes of chat. Uh, what, what you mean is one tip in 83 or 82 episodes? <laughs> you know that? Yeah. There's your nugget. Can you, believe, uh, can you believe we're that many episodes in? Oh, it's mad. And yeah. can you believe we've still got three listeners as well? I don't know if there's the same three listeners from the first episode, but we've got three. I don't believe that. I think we, still must, have least, we must have at least five. Because I know. Oh, we've got I, one that, you, that we put on the. Uh, we had a nice comment, didn't we? And a few, yeah, uh, yeah. Favorite guy messaged me on Instagram. Uh, oh, is there, oh no, no, that over. No, we've had two comments today because the guy messaged me on Instagram, Jack, and um, said um, that he uh, that he sort of learned stuff from the from the podcast, which was really cool. So thank you very much. And then we yeah, have I another think, one. Yeah, I th- saying yeah. That. I think Jack Jack had basically commented on. Um, a post or your story was it or it was story, your story yeah. basically saying about uh, where you were trying to correct someone's insulin theory and obviously mm-hmm. you know kind of made the comment of you know we all learned some at some point or we're all been there at some point where we didn't know what we we're doing he said thank god for us because he'd learned a thing or two from us which is very nice yeah. to say jack's a good indeed lad. jack is a good lad and um yeah and obviously was it the the fitness food desi um yeah shout out so i think i said i don't know if it's desi or i probably absolutely butchered that so i apologize I think I you're have. on point. But, I just don't know if the end of her last name or her first name. Desiree. Knows? Might be Desiree. That's, uh, oh, sounds very posh. <laughs> <laughs> um, very nice and very kind to say that um, we're one of our favourite podcasts. So that's very nice to hear. Thank you. I wasn't listening to you, mate. Anyway, I don't know where we're going with that. And um, can we sh- bag on Richie because he didn't shout us out? He put a post of shouting people out to listen to. We didn't make it. I messaged him, call him a beep. What did he say? Oh, I knew I'd offend someone. Is this Richard, yeah, said, Co- is this Cohen? 
Yeah. Oh, I know how to find someone. He's got too many potatoes down his pants. That's all it is. Yes. Yeah. A little, little bugger. Little Irish yeah. leprechaun. Yes. Okay. Right. Well, that is 20 minutes of rambles. It's good. That was enjoyed. Now, just to round off, I had a, a fabulous Christmas. Thank you. I've eaten way too much. Um, my weight has skyrocketed a lot. Um, but I'm comfortable because it was kind of purposeful. So, yes. I've basically done everything I've been telling everyone not to do. <laughs> Standard. Yeah, yeah. But I did write a really good post about the Last Supper effect today. So, um, you know, I was reading that. Re- <laughs> I was writing that with all the irony in the world. Telling people not to overeat at Christmas. Now Christmas is over. Yeah, well, yeah. Tr- basically, telling people not to continue binging uh, because Christmas. You know, is is finished and it's now. You know, oh, wait till January to you, to diet or do whatever else everyone else does. Every uh, inevitably decides to do at, at Christmas or January. You know, oh, I'm just gonna f- got to finish off the last bits of chocolate before. You know, I just got to get them all out the way now. So not there at temptation in January. But yeah, I did used to do that. I used to literally sit down one one evening between in the uh, this period we're in now, and I used to eat all the chocolate just so I wasn't snacking on it for the rest of like the week or whatever. I used to eat it all in one night and then feel very, very sick afterwards. Yeah. People, um, people, people yeah. do it all the time. It's, it's just such a common trait. And I think it does align with this inbuilt, um, I don't want to use the word genetic, but inbuilt programmed um, brain circuitry that we have where we just, we, we need instant gratification or we need to find obviously food sources now, you know, it's kind of that sort of thing where, we can't save stuff for later at fear of dying of famine, which mm. ironically doesn't work very well in this food environment because we're never going to die of famine. I was going to so, say, yeah, just either spread it out or be good. And Yeah, but we can't do that. Street and give it to someone less fortunate. There's a lot of homeless people. Go and give them a chocolate bar and make them smile. Yeah. I wish people mm. would do more of that because, like I say, if, instead, people, what they do is exactly what Ed just said. They'll sit there and they'll just smash everything they have in one night to get out of the way or... I mean, like, my sister doesn't even listen, so she ain't going to care if I say this. But, um, shit, they went, I was joking around because my brother in law wants to join us on our project photo shoot that we are obviously putting out for, as, a, as a product for next year. And I've commented a few times, said, look, mate, let's not go too crazy over Christmas because obviously, bear in mind that in however many weeks you're going to be in a pair of Speedos in a. Not, not Speedos, but obviously, I used to joke. You're in a pair of Speedos, you know, in front of a camera, you know, you're going to want to look shredded. So. Um, and I've used the age analogy of like, if you're going to save money for a big purchase like a mortgage, you wouldn't go out the weekend before you're going to start and smash all of your savings, would you? Because that's a little bit counterproductive in my opinion. People do, though. I appreciate that. But So, yeah. Um, and uh, I've I said that a few times. And then next thing I know, they've gone to like the, one of the local coastal um, places where they've got this um, uh, popular, I think it's called the bucket list. It's basically a popular chip like van or chip bucket thing where they'd like put loads of chips in and then just just basically cover with the dirtiest toppings you can imagine so like chicken nuggets and yeah just loads of stuff basically chicken nuggets cheese and all the mayonnaise and sauces and those different things i was like man that's outrageous you could like you why are you doing this now when you know you're gonna be doing a photo shoot in so long you already know you're already gone over christmas and then dull too much already and like my sister said well you know it's fat club weighing next week so i can't have it i can't have it next week so i'm gonna have it now I'm smacking that in bit and I'm seeing it. Yeah. 
that's think the... if you if you really like you're you're worried about the amount of chocolate you've had and all that sort of stuff, take it to a food bank. Just go down to your local supermarket and take it to, and put it in the food bank. Uh, but yeah, but I'm sure it, there'll be. It's that idea that people won't do that though, because the the idea is that it's what I call like a thinking error. Then that you th- you kind of like, oh, I'm restricted next week, so I better have it all now, or you know, because I might never have it again. You know, it's the whole idea of going to this chip place. It's like, oh, I better have that now because I'm never going to have it again. Otherwise, it's like, well, you are. It's only food, and it'll be there forever. You know, like mm. if you didn't have such a restrictive diet, you could have that food while you were dieting. You know, if you had the education and knowledge, you could still have that food. And that's the that's the irony of it is once you once you know you can have something, we've said it before, or you know, kind of give yourself permission to eat those foods. Often you don't even want it anymore, or you don't even want it as much. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you do you do see it a lot. You do see it a lot. Um, I suppose my my point was more for any if anybody's worrying about the amount of like chocolate and biscuits and stuff like that they've been bought, just take it, give it to somebody less fortunate than you. Um, they'll be grateful, more grateful than you probably, because uh, like you're idea. just eating it for eating's sake. Yeah. So that's the thing. If anyone list, if anyone likes this little rant, go to our Instagram page, No Nonsense Nutrition, and um, it's a little. The, the thumbnail is a picture of Spongebob. Cool. Sounds really relevant. Well, it's a picture of Spongebob doing this. You can, I don't know if you can see him. Obviously, people listen on this. <laughs> he's, win- he's wincing or wincing. Yeah, it's kind, kind of, kind of, kind of um, straining eyes. I don't know if winter strained eyes like you're trying to concentrate on something. Almost if like, what? Is that true? Is that real? And I think he had a caption saying something on the lines of "Start diet next week, so eat everything in sight beforehand," something like that. And that's a bit like, huh? What? Yeah, and that yeah. is. You get it, don't you? You get it. I just looked at the picture again. <laughs> Paul's looking at it now. <laughs> anyway, so cool. look at that. So, what did we learn in 2018, other than people eat way too much shit between Christmas and New Year purely on the basis they want to get rid of it? For me, um, it was more, it's kind of like I learned a lot more about people's habits and the way people operate and the fact that not everybody's a robot and more the fact that everybody is slightly, well, obviously everybody's slightly different, but um, there isn't a, I mean, not that, I'm not saying I didn't know this before, but it just becomes more and more apparent that there isn't a one-size-fits-all kind of glove and that, um and that I think I kind of learned to have a bit more confidence in myself with knowing how to tackle all the millions of different types of people. So I think it's just kind of just comes to experience, doesn't it? Like working with like, well, interacting with hundreds of different people throughout the year, you, you learn how many different people are yeah. kind of hardwired. Um, so I think for me, is it like a big thing that I kind of like, developed and learned it what there was never like a penny drop moment but just kind of like looking back and thinking about it whilst pooing i um just thought well you know what it's something that i kind of have, have picked up over the year and developed and learned a bit more is um the fact that i do have the skills and the confidence to to work with such a broad range of people and that people who i do help don't have to just be like type a or you know that sort of thing and that it doesn't just have to be that one approach you know to to speak to people a bit more before and see what type of approach would would um suit them better and um 
and and how we handle things and how I then talk to those people and and how I deal with them in in certain different ways and and all that jazz. Yeah, cool. It's good. I was going to say it's ironic, but I don't think it's it's the right phrase. But one of the things that I was going to say that I've reflected on was that um, it's kind of lines. I think it does anyway. I think it's relevant, which is what I want to bring up now, is that I kind of thought to myself, like, the people that I've worked the most or the best with um and inevitably probably been the only people i've ended up working with really um because everyone else are kind of not we kind of haven't taken them on as clients that we've had like consultation with and stuff but i've only really found to myself working with people that i really feel like i can build a friendship with i know it sounds a bit odd in that how can you tell that from like a 90 minute consultation but you know what it's like when you kind of speak to people and um you kind of just get this idea of yeah actually i feel like i can relate a bit or i feel like you know you're the type of individual that i can kind of get on with i found myself like i'm only working with people that these clients have actually come on and and become friends you know that makes sense they're, just, like, it's, yeah. it's, they're not just clients to me like i wish them all merry christmas um on christmas day um and just being like i do you know what actually like, i generally want these guys to have a good christmas and just forget like we're even working together I just want to say Merry Christmas, just have a great day and enjoy all the food and, and that type of stuff and just forget. Like, I'm not even worried about them coming back over eating after Christmas. I'm like, do you know what? It doesn't matter because would I be telling my friends that? No, I wouldn't. I'd be saying enjoy yourself. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And the, the people who have longer-term clients are people who I generally just have like a, a friendly connection with, which is nice. Um, and then the people who potentially have done the like the minimum sort of like 12 weeks of people who not that you haven't clicked with it's just not the same sort of personality i suppose um yeah no i totally get that yeah, yeah. i don't i mean I, I was thinking about it like have I, is it is it that i purposefully weaned out people that i don't feel like i would kind of move that to next level of relationship with or actually am i just quite easygoing and maybe i can i can build friendships with most people and i guess maybe it's a bit of both i don't know but um is so refreshing, so nice to feel like, especially when like a couple of people have reciprocated and said, you know, I actually like the coaching this year has been amazing. Like without blowing my own trumpet, but they've said the coach has been amazing. Genuinely, feel like the uh, this is almost a direct quote. Like I genuinely feel like we are friends now and not like mm. working together. And I, honestly, I don't think anyone can describe how much that means to hear that. It's amazing when someone says that because they think, you know, what, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I like it when you can be like, oh yeah, like you know merry christmas to you and then like you know their partner's name firsthand and you're like you know hope you both have a great day or whatever like that sort of thing um yeah it's kind of built that good relationship i think yeah i think like it's that's a very uh, sort of good good thing to have isn't it but i think it's also as you get more experience as a coach i think you still learn the ability to kind of still have not not boundaries as such but you know because you know how hard it is to like coach family or that's yeah. just stop listening to you i think you have to kind of as a coach kind of you can be obviously friendly and you and i think the main point is you're caring you're caring and you yeah because you're the best for them but i think there is a point where you have to kind of obviously maintain some professional sort of yeah i, I element of it because otherwise people are just like well i don't really care it'll be fine about if i didn't do what we needed what needed to be done this week and I, i've done that with myself with cope with sort of when i've had coaches to a point i think it works in two ways because there was that sort of element of as um being coach you kind of want to 
I'm doing air quotes, impress the coach to a point. I think that is a part drive as well as obviously hit your own targets. But there is that thing that everybody wants some kind of sort of congratulatory sort of reward from what you deem as a peer. So I think that's quite, it's always good to kind of maintain that sort of element as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know what you're saying. Um, Like, I guess it's, it's one of those things where it can quite easily to, because you get too friendly to, to just yeah. relax a bit too much and not do the things that are actually being paid to do from both yeah. perspectives, for obviously from a client perspective, but also as as a coach. I've purposely yeah. tried not to ever let it get that way because actually I feel like if I do that, I'm just not giving fair value for money. Um, yeah. Which Exactly. You know, they're paying for a, they're basically, you, it's to remember that they are paying for a service yeah. um, and the sort of side runoff from that is that you obviously can develop because obviously to be the best coach, you need to kind of care about the people that are under your sort of tutelage and coaching, don't you? Because otherwise you're just going to be like every 90% of 99% of the rest of the coaches out there that are just in it for fast buck and don't really give a fuck because who cares if you can spin out meal plans for hundred quid a pop. Yeah, they might work for a few people, but you're not getting the sort of, accountability in the caring side of it i i I mean i've actually had like one client tom who said to me i probably wasn't being hard enough on him sometimes because i think you know our relationship was developing where you know i purposely tried really hard to support him but probably not really in the way that he needed um i thought being kind of supportive and friendly and all the things that i you know like i tried to do everyone really but obviously everyone to a different extent but he had to, had to turn around and say to me, like, I'll be honest, one of the ways I think you can improve is if you just, you, if you were a bit more militant to me. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. okay, cool. And obviously, it's something that I've then had to really purposely, like, work quite hard on. So I guess I think for me, that, like, I am quite militant in my personality. You guys know that. Yeah. Um, but I think when I'm working with clients, I'd probably over compensate for it and probably be so less militant with clients. I actually probably let, get, let them get away with more than maybe I should do. I don't know. Yeah, I think the, that style of coaching works. I would de- it definitely works better for me. Like um, giving you a hug or being tight, like hard no, on. Not a hugger. Um, <laughs> I ain't no spooner. I'm no spooner fool. You say no um, for, for a hand job, wouldn't he? But <laughs> wow, yeah, it's not. <clears throat> um, no, I, yes, for myself, I much much prefer the sort of. Obviously, the, the, the caring side's there as well, but the sort of militant, not militant, but sort of more... Crack that whip, boy. Yeah, it's not. It completely depends on the personality of the person, isn't it? And I think then you would relate to a coach that is more like that, I think. Um, and that's how you sort of build relationships. And I think, excuse me, we're kind of at the point now where we can start to pick and choose clients a little bit. You know, we... Um, all right, we don't have people running to us 10 times a day, but we, we can be a little bit more critical on who we take in and we're not just taking anybody in because we need to make the money. And I, I think that's kind of why it's good as doing all of us doing this as a as a sideline, as a hobby, because then we, we pick the people we want to work with um, because at the end of the day, it's down to our enjoyment as well. 
So why would you take on? Like, I get people speaking to me like, in the day and just like a general chit chat and stuff. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I really need your help. And I'm like, nah, no. Um, I'll be like, oh, I know somebody who'd be perfect for you. And, um, and I'll like, just call them off. Because... Dan Mack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, But you, you do do that, though, because at the end of the day, I do it as a sideline. Um, so the people who I coach, I want to enjoy coaching them and they're going to get so much more out of it if obviously i'm enjoying it and they're enjoying it um whereas if it just becomes another boring day job like flipping burgers or whatever like something that you absolutely hate um you're not going to enjoy it so your service is going to be crap and they're not going to get the goals or hit their goals like they should be doing so i think that's kind of a quite a, quite a good thing um but I, I i get that with with work and with like with dealing with shop managers and things like that so when it goes i I interact with each one slightly differently because you you slowly learn over time which ones are needing a hug which ones are needing a kick up the arse and and things like that and different ways you can interact with people so i think that probably comes across in in lots of different walks of life and anybody who i suppose has people underneath them or staff underneath them in the work situation probably knows that or even like a captain of a team or a coach of a sports club or, you know, all those sorts of things. You you, will learn your team, you learn your players, you learn your staff and um, you learn about them and you know how to deal with them then, which, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of, it's part of the skill, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. I've just got a uh, prime example and then maybe we'll move on to a different thing, but um, Mel uh, called me out the other day. Yes. It might have been yesterday actually, because obviously in our, um, Facebook group I was kind of talking to her and Diane about some stuff and Mel thought that my response to her was very militant um is probably the best way to describe it but with Diane I was very caring and supportive and she said hang on a minute why does she get a very caring supportive message but I get something quite abrupt or straight to the point or militant and um I guess that's actually a prime example of I know Mel very well we have lots of little chats about certain stuff um privately mostly but and I feel comfortable enough to tell her how I see it. Whereas with Dan, I don't know her quite so well, so I'm a lot fluffier and softer. <laughs> Plus, also I get a personality difference. And I, like you know, she did she did message me, so I don't really know what you like to think of me because I'm sure you think I'm crazy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just it shows you how like you are just different with different people. How you flex and adapt your approaches or kind of like your personality traits to, to the audience is obviously the point. We've, I suppose we've come around to full circle to say about but yeah i mean i, I say just so we move on to something else so we're talking about some of the things we've learned it is it's quite nice to have learned i suppose like can really make friends i suppose within with clients which is what you know it's really helped loads in in not only the progress and results but the enjoyment factor like you said ed yeah definitely yeah, um, yeah i'd say for myself because i didn't say what i kind of i was about to ask you paul okay sorry so militant um no, I would say, like, for myself, I've kind of sort of learned more of less is more, in a way. Like, sometimes it, the simplest ver- simplest version of something definitely for sort of gen pop people gets more attention than sort of the over, the over sort of convoluted bits and stuff. Because, like, you've got to kind of think who you're aiming your especially like on social media, who you're aiming for, who you're aiming to impress. I think I've definitely made that mistake in the past of trying to kind of impress sort of other, I'm doing it again, fit pros, 
like in the industry, that's not that's all well and good, but that's not going to bring clients in. Yeah, is you know if you know get what I'm saying. Yeah. So kind of where my aim and focus should be. It's just knowing your audience. Just know bit. Yeah, I'm too busy trying to. There was that whole thing, uh, I don't know, the start of this year, end of last year, where Martin McDonald was going on saying, like, stop trying to write posts that are trying to impress me because I don't give a shit. But yeah. write posts that your clients and potential clients are going to engage with and understand. Because um, I had an argument with a guy on Facebook today about this very thing. He was talking about insulin and things like that. And I said, most of the people on your Facebook I've never heard of insulin outside of a diabetic situation. So why on earth are you telling them to eat bacon for breakfast instead of cereal because of insulin spikes and making you feel lethargic? Just tell them to stop eating so much and they will understand that instead of confusing them more. Like, and he's like, no, I'm not doing that. He's a dick. Thank um, well, you for having lots of clients on gear. <laughs> he's, he's, he's obviously not seen Jack, clearly. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, no, he just Jack. saw Ben's growth, didn't he? That was it. Yeah, he saw Ben's <laughs> yeah. growth over the last twelve months. To be fair, mate. Thought, Shit. To be fair, Ben's got some growth. If you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I can't help it. This what happens in your garage. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, this this is a true story. This is a true story, right? So this is nothing to do with me personally or Ben, but um, when I used to go to a actual gym, uh, there's a guy there we're very friendly with, um, and I won't name him, but. Um, he tells a story once how he once sold a piece of furniture in uh, from his garage, which used to be a garage gym, where he used to masturbate over it, and he sold the furniture on someone else. How disgusting is that? <laughs> oh, I was did not see oh, that coming, did no. not see that uh, coming, but no. then that would be <laughs> we, we, I don't know why or how we got talking about this the other day, but me and Ben were saying like the irony is like the whole doing it in a garage is one thing right because you could argue it's just a, it's just a room like every other room in your house so is it really that bad but yours cold? Sell, well yeah yeah mine's freezing so obviously i'd, I'd be tr- shit i'll like trying probably but anyway um it, it, it's it's one thing that but the next thing is selling the furniture to someone else knowing what you've done yeah, also, Wait. like, why? Who the fuck is freely ejaculating over a piece of furniture? Well, I don't know. It's I'm like sh- some really flamboyant masturbation. <laughs> Just is jack it off and aim it at Look, myself. Look, you're asking the wrong dude. I told you it's got nothing to do with what? me, personally. What was it? What was it? I don't know. No, it was, but it was literally furniture. I can't remember how what he was. Maybe, like, maybe I'll get Ben or Ed. Maybe you can ask Ben what, because I can't remember oh, what okay. he said, but exactly what the furniture was but was, such I was gonna say, is, it, is it absorbent or is it like a drink I don't like know I don't know but I just I just feel sorry for the dude who bought it that's all <laughs> like, why is this <laughs> very crunchy surface on this <laughs> anyway oh. let's move on because I don't even know how or why that came up I've forgotten already but oh dear okay uh, I've lost my train of thought now yeah me too <sighs> me too okay Talk about pressing your peer, don't impress your peers, um, but yes. just make things simple for people to interact and understand with. Oh, because we were talking about insulin and something like that. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The, the, the irony is that, right? There is no research showing that blood sugar levels, insulin secretion, etc., is uh, correlated with mood and stuff like that outside of diabetic situations. Like all of the, mm. all of the, all the studies that were done on 
kind of linking blood sugars with like how happy or angry or whatever someone felt you know because obviously this uh, this theory of if you eat some really shit food that are high uh, high glycemic loads or, or on a high glycemic index and it spikes your blood sugars that causes kind of appetite crashes and like poor poor moods and stuff outside of people that actually have diabetes there is no research done on it so the it gets better though it gets better so after i sent you those screenshots of him thinking he's an insulin expert uh he then started talking about gut health um and i said oh yeah that thing that is really poorly researched and even the so-called experts say they don't have the answers that thing yeah okay uh, yeah he stopped replying uh, yeah well i guess um i guess certain dogmatic approaches um quick fixes magic pills and all this shit is a whole different topic but that'll all be next week probably when january sales start kicking <laughs> yeah 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 what so, not to no, do in january no good range um i'll tell you one other thing that i've learned this year uh based on, on kind of clients and stuff uh not all people have the same goal as me yeah because it can be it, it can be quite difficult as a coach because i've got like as a coach i'll always have my own opinion on what i think is right or wrong for an individual even if they've had a conversation with me about what their goals are and stuff um it, it can be quite difficult to think like you know, you know take someone that if you look at them and think you know they're they're really lean um and you in your opinion would ideally say that they need to build some muscle mass they don't like going to the gym or that's not their goal it can be really difficult as a coach to not be a bit pushy and try and edge them towards that and actually just allow them to do, like kind of program for whatever their actual goal is. And that's one thing I've learned this year. I've learned actually that I've really got to put my own ideals or own, own goals out the way and kind of really focus on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an interesting one because like, I think although a lot of your clients will have a similar goal and they're kind of with you for a, sim- like for, for a reason. So, you know, if they're wanting to build muscle and things like that they, they might not necessarily go to somebody who's a, a marathon runner um you know the people tend to get coached specific to what they what they enjoy and what they want to want to know about and what they want to do um but at the same time like um with one of my clients currently he's just going to prep for a bodybuilding competition next year and somebody asking me like would you do it again and I, well no not in the near future it just doesn't doesn't Saying it doesn't interest me is the wrong thing because I still love viewing it, watching it, things like that. M- much like I enjoy watching World's Strongest Man and I watch all of the things and I've like been to live events and stuff. But it doesn't necessarily mean I want to go and be a strong man next year. You know, you can enjoy something and view it and and have a you know a, a, an excitement for it without wanting to do it yourself, I suppose. Um, so like with my like client going into prep now for a bodybuilding competition next year, like it's really exciting, and I'm like really excited to see what we can do and you know, how far we can push things and um, and what he's going to look like at the end. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what I want to do next year as well. I don't want to be really stepping on a stage, um, but I still enjoy going to the gym and I still enjoy training and and things like that. So yeah, I, yeah it's, it's the, the, the project shoot thing. Uh, project photo shoot thing we're going to be running is quite again same sort of thing that it's really exciting for for me just to kind of see what everyone's going to be able to achieve it does make mm. me want to jump back on um, just because obviously it was really cool to do it last year and obviously the the photos were really cool to have at the end and it was such an exciting you know few months especially kind of getting towards the the business end of it but 
I kind of think to myself, oh, I don't want to stunt any progress or halt halt kind of like how well things have been going in terms of like kind of bodybuilding for the last few months. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still exciting. So kind of in that same situation, really. Yeah, I thought the same about the photo shoots. I have to do it as well. I was like, no, 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 same thing as you. Like, I've barely trained over the last few months, so what's the point in then trying to diet down to show no gains? Yeah. Um, but and then at the same time, I'm going to Mauritius in May, and all the guys that I'm going with, like, we're going for a wedding, and <laughs> all of a sudden it's become very serious on who can lose the most and who can, like, look sharp on the beach. Um, we were discussing it at the dinner table last Sunday, the Sunday before, Um and we're saying, yeah, diet starts in January. You've got to get peel for Mauritius and uh, and all that. And then the groom was there as well. And he's like, he's he's a, a heavy set fellow, shall we say? Um, and he's like, well, I'm going to be on the beach just like this, <laughs> like tapping his belly. And <laughs> the rest of us are like, no, we've got to get peeled. And it's like it's his wedding. Yeah. Um, well, it, this is yeah. like any holiday, though, isn't it? It's the same thing, kind of like when. And I've done it before. You know, I've dieted for holidays where I look back in retrospect now and think, oh, I wish I hadn't have done because actually that short term goal of looking better on a beach is probably not helped me longer term yeah exactly you, you so look at that it, macro goal. Yeah. yeah and i suppose leading on to that like another thing that i was going to mention about like what i've learned over the last 12 months is prioritizing things i think and kind of how uh i i i've spoken about it a little bit on the last couple of podcasts about not being able to train so much and then just going you know okay well this month priority is work and i'll try and fit that in and kind of doing a, a smaller amount is better than doing none at all um so i suppose like that's something that i've really learned how to do because previously i'd have kind of like um been really pissed off and beat myself up about the fact that i hadn't really been to the gym that much or i hadn't really been doing this and that and, and you know work's taken over a bit too much but i kind of look back and think right okay well it's not the end of the world it's literally a couple of months there's even research out there to show that you can literally like train for eight months solid and then take the other four months of the year off and it's not going to like alter I think your games six at all. And six. six yeah they yeah, took two groups yeah, didn't they know. one trained a whole year yeah. one took six months off and they both ended up with the same growth <laughs> yeah exactly so i'm thinking at the end of the day um, uh, that's one process and then also the fact that uh, you know prioritizing so like okay work's the main priority and then while i'm in the hockey season now i'm not you know training for to be you know the next ronnie coleman so let's get better at hockey and let's put the time into hockey because it's the current season. And then when that's done, then I can focus more on the bodybuilding aspect of things, but at the same time still have the bodybuilding at the, the, the like in the back of the mind and still trying to do it whilst I can. Um, but just the other things are a priority first. And um, so I think that's like a, a real big, big thing for me. So it's like, yeah, you can still gain muscle. I can still become the best hockey player I can and I can still do my job um and i can do all those things at once without anyone overtaking over and also without neglecting any completely but just having like that hierarchy of what is more important so mm. cool. yeah and and coming to terms with that i think that's a big thing you can say yeah right that's not this, that important but coming to terms with it and understanding it and accepting it i think that's another whole different story yeah, yeah i think so if it becomes sort of like an identity you've had of like yourself mm. how you're portrayed i guess especially sort of out like you you'll always be shredded dead well exactly and apparently me and all my clients take steroids so well you didn't say you <laughs> you just said clients well uh, i need to reread the comments <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's funny. Like one of the reflections that I had was purely around my own personal physique and how more comfortable I am with not being the perfect physique than I've ever been. And I suppose that is a, it's very much a one of the cliches of it being a journey, but it is true. Um, it's kind of like the more I work on my physique, the kind of less it actually means to me that I need to have the perfect physique. Yeah. So I guess when you start out, you kind of your idealistic view of whatever your best physique is um, means everything. Because that's kind of like well, a lot of us get into it for the aesthetics of it. Um, as I've got more and more into this journey, air quotes, I suddenly realised actually, do you know what? I just get more and more comfortable with the whole process and less worried about that end result. Because I kind of realise that end result is never going to happen, and not not in like a negative way. In that, oh my god, that end result is never going to happen. I'm never going to have these six pack abs. Um, it's kind of more like the lines of like when I've got into a physique of because obviously you know everything's in peaks and troughs and I've had uh, like times you know took about the photo shoot where I kind of thought you know yeah I was in all right shape of the photo shoot um, you know a significant amount of, of body fat loss and kind of thought yeah no do you know what? I've got a bit of muscle there don't look too bad it's kind of like well it didn't really as cliche as it sounds define me it didn't make me the happiest person in the world being like that yeah it was kind of quite cool but. You know, there's all these other things you've got to consider to either maintain that physique, all these things that kind of took to get there, and just think, well, do you know what? Actually, there's far more important things in life than necessarily worrying about how lean you are, or you know, in it's actually just like the more and more I've worked on it purposefully in terms of like what I mean by that is my mindset, just the happier I've been, the more comfortable I've been, and it's just I think this year it's really kind of clicked more than it ever has. Yeah, definitely. You know what I think? I think kind of. Go on, Paul. You go. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, I guess in the same sort of way, it's kind of. I mean, I'm never going to be huge. One, well, huger. Um, <laughs> but yeah, which way? The, I'm never yeah. going to be huger. Yeah, probably English, right? <laughs> um, sort of the health aspect has become more prominent, obviously, as I'm aging. Um, and the byproduct of that is obviously taking care of your health, making sure you're sort of training sort of weight resistance but also sort of the cardio side of it i guess you're going to, there there are going to be gains especially if you're training with a a good program with obviously progressive overload and stuff so the kind of the health come first but then the byproduct of that is i'm going to look a lot better that's kind yeah. of where yeah, my sort of, i know i am obviously my if anybody's followed me and seen that i will be sort of committing to a sort of at least a seven month sort of period trying to build some muscle but i'm also not going to go obviously as we are educated enough to know that you don't need to eat all the you, food you you lot are literally it's like you're reading my notes genuinely because my my next reflection is how in, like i've literally written how important time in a surplus is compared to being in a surplus so we're so in sync rough yeah justin timberlake and jc chasses it's like we talk it's like we talk to each other every day yeah but we don't know in all honesty though we haven't talked about that though no no so yes so that's as we said so that would be my goal for the next sort of in the sort of gym area of what i'm planning is yeah sort of a solid seven months minimum of just committing to a solid sort of progressive overload program and eating but not in the eat all the food because you'll get massive i want to maintain sort of keep a handle on any excess fat gain 
Yeah. Is that kind of more le- siding on the game tainting side? Sorry, Ed's, des- Ed's desperate to chirp in. Like he's, ch- he's eating the camera. He's, he's, he's waving his tongue. Lucky <laughs> um, no, I, I just wanted to jump in before we kind of moved on to game tainting um, and, and goals for the next year. Uh, just a point on with you saying about the, like the perfect physique and for you and for, for hitting that thing that you wants that, that that body you want to hit um it's a funny one because I, i've always been asked like oh what's your kind of like what's your end goal and like we all we'll get asked the same what is your end goal um body wise and you kind of say oh you know i want to be i want to look like a lift and i want to have constantly have abs or that sort of thing and it's it's a funny one because and this fits into what you were just saying you're not going to have that during the process like you may have a lean period where you want to see what you've what you've done you may have a period where you have no abs at all and or you've got a bit of a belly or you've got like hamster cheeks because you're pushing to to get somewhere close to that end goal but you're never going to wake up one morning and think oh you know what I've done it I'm I'm here um right best stop like you never you're always going to strive for that little bit more that little bit more and that's why I think I've always tried to take the the mindset of I'm happy where I am and I'm happy with how I look but if I can make a few tweaks and changes over the over the years, then cool, let's do it. And I think that's why I don't get too obsessed with bulking or too obsessed with staying shredded or whatever and, you know, uh, those things. But I suppose at the end of the day, like if somebody had said to me when I was, I don't know, 19, 20, when I first started going to the gym, like what was your end goal? It'd be like, oh, like I just said, to look like I lift and to um, – to have some sort of muscle development and to, you know, be able to take my top off like any time of the year and be comfortable. Um, and I suppose I am at that point now where, you know, hopefully I look like I lift and people tend to make comment every now and then of, oh, you must go to the gym or oh, do you play rugby? Um, and things like that. And But at the same time, like, you know, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty confident with my with my body as well. I'll, t- I'll take my clothes off uh, without uh, without being told to. Um, and <laughs> Isn't that fashion? <laughs> not in front of children um <laughs> jesus uh but uh no it, it, it's it's one of those things that you don't know until you've got there until you look back i think and until you do like a reflection like this turn around and say, oh you know what i'm going to look back at at the year and what have i learned and, and what am i happy with and things like that so i think sometimes having that reflection period just five minutes sat on the toilet having a poo like i did tonight um you you kind of <laughs> you realise that. <laughs> um, you, you realise that you know you, you do realise a lot, don't you? And you kind of have these little penny drop moments of you know what I'm, you know I have achieved this or I have achieved that or I have learnt this, and, and that's a cool thing. Yeah, uh, yeah so give my view on that. In that, um, I'm exactly the same. In that, I've really become comfortable of just progression and not current status or future status. If that makes sense. Like I kind of like my my. If anyone said to me like, okay, what is your goal? Or actually, no. If someone would have said to me five years ago, what what is your end goal with this kind of weightlifting malarkey shit that you do? I'd be like, oh, I just want to look like these guys on the front of this men's health magazine, basically. You know, like I want to look like Tom Hardy in Warrior. That'd be my perfect body shape for me. Uh, All back, nothing else. I'd 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 want to be a bit more six packy than he. See, whereas at the moment I'm more Tom Hardy and Bronson. Uh, <laughs> even a tash bald and naked yeah. <laughs> bald and a massive massive tash um, to, to be fair I mean like you know that's what I would have wanted to look like I'd have been like very much like you know the, the men's health cover like not not freakishly huge but like definitely reasonably big 
you know, like pretty lean, decent six pack, big arms, that type of thing. Just really aesthetic. That's basically what I, the best way I describe it. Now, if you ask me now, my goal would be just to keep enjoying progression. Like as cliche, cheesy as that sounds, generally I just like I like this. I just like the I like the process. I generally just like doing it. Like this whole thing about uh, I put on my Instagram stories on Christmas Day. I I just put a text and said I may or may not have trained today, and I did a little smirky face because I knew full well that's going to wind some people up. Like some people would go, "You're an idiot! What are you training on Christmas Day for? Shouldn't you, shouldn't you be spending like?" And I did actually get at least half a dozen people messaging me saying, "You didn't really train, did you?" And I was like, "Yeah, I did." So I spent 45 minutes out of my garage gym and I just had a session on my own for a bit of time while Jenna got ready. And I was like, some people said to me that you should be spending time with your family. Like, and I was like, do I have to spend every minute with my family like on Christmas, just because it's Christmas Day? Or just because I don't spend every minute with my family on Christmas Day? Does that mean I hate them and I don't like them? That's a weird, that is a weird thing, isn't it? Because it's not like, I mean, I get it if like for me, it would be, even though it'd be fine. Like if I went up to my sisters, I don't obviously because they live away. I don't get to see them all the time. But even then, if I decided there was a gym open and I want to go to the gym in the morning, that should be fine. There shouldn't be an issue. No one should be having issues with that. So, but if you're with your like for you with Jenna and Summer, you're with them twenty four hours a day, basically, or besides work. So yeah. what the emphasis on Christmas Day Christmas. being this? Yeah sacred moment think, of time yeah sacred moment where you have to be there in each other's pockets for 24 hours a day it's just ridiculous like if you want to train because it's what you enjoy that'd be like why is, are you going out for a walk well yeah. we don't, can't do it on christmas you gotta be within five foot of your family yeah all the time yeah the thing is for me it's like well do you know what? I, I i really enjoy it i like enjoy training like why would i not want to do it on christmas day that's the, the thing is, i suppose people have in the head that because of their own experiences and their own kind of like predetermined thoughts or or thoughts on it, it's like they wouldn't want to train Christmas Day. So why would they, like, and if they did, it'd be out of guilt or anxiety or, you know, oh my God, I better go for a run because I'm going to be eating loads of food type of scenario. For them, that's a negative connotation that they, they're there for, not associating as a positive thing with Christmas. For me, I enjoy training. So it's kind of like, well, I really enjoy going out and getting a little, little pump on and, you know, doing a few like arms and shoulders. All I did and I just come back feeling like really good. I've got all the endorphins and the hormones flow in and just think, yeah, right, ready for Christmas now. Can't wait. Like, go out for lunch and, yeah. Did you do it just because you wanted a little pump for your Christmas tight, yeah. Christmas jumper? Yeah, it was quite tight. Arms are yeah. big at least, so bigger. Uh... Just stuff toilet paper down mine. Yeah. What about your arms? <laughs> <laughs> That's what really ticks me off about this whole Christmas period. Um, is the fact that gyms quite often just they're just not open, or that they do stupid hours? Um, and but and then I, I went on Thursday, I think I went at like six o'clock. I thought, oh, the gym will be open till nine o'clock, normal time. It's a normal day, Shut and it wasn't. It was only open till it was no, it was only open till seven. But I, it was literally that me and the gym owner were the only guys in there. And he's like, I can't even get the staff to work. Like, I've got to come in and work myself. And we ended up having a good chat. And, um, and he was saying, you know, just like, oh, I don't know what people are working. But then at the same time, though, I think people kind of avoid going because they, because um, the gym's not open. <laughs> um, or the gym's not open that late. So they can't go at their normal time at half six. So they, uh, they, they don't go at all. And then I think also this year, it's been a funny time with um, having Christmas like at the start of the weeks as well. So that kind of last few days of the week. People are kind of going, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll just wait till New Year. Um, 
Yeah. But uh, so that's annoyed me over because now I've like finally got like I've had more time this week to go to the gym than I've ever had in my whole life. Um, it's not been open. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, five to twelve today, I went to go to the gym. Well, yeah, I know, I know. Five to twelve, I went to go to the gym. I thought oh, the gym will be open until at least three o'clock today, even with these silly hours. Uh, guess what time it closed? Three twelve o'clock. No, it was five to twelve. That's not very good. Yeah, couldn't even get a quick pump. Oh. Uh, rant over, rant over. Um, sure. So I just I want to go back to obviously this bit. We've kind of moved on for it, but I want to just go back to it. This idea of um, or concept of being in a surplus for the amount of time is more important than the amount of surplus you're in. Because um, for me, that's been quite a bit of a game changer this year, really. And what it's meant is that I've had to obviously slow down my rate of gain through my kind of uh, massing periods or improvement periods or improvement seasons or whatever you want to describe them or call them as. Still can't really ever come up with what I'd like to call a, or sorry, what I'd like to kind of coin as a decent term for it. So obviously people use off-season, people use um, gaining season, massing season, bulking season. Um, growing? Growing season, but that sounds wanky, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Improvement season. He's got a, <laughs> if he's got a better name, email it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but whatever you call that, I think like I've, I've we've talked about it in the past actually on the podcast. But I've definitely um, probably overdid it in those periods and have to revert to dieting a lot sooner than I probably would have liked. And I think this time having pretty much from photo shoot or end of photo shoot in April. Other than I think a three or four week period of what I considered my estimated maintenance, I've been a surplus the entire time up until now. So obviously that's what was that like seven months? Um, so maybe six months of surplus, one month of of maintenance. Like I haven't even had a, a mini cut or a, or any type of real diet break. Other than I got back from holiday and had about three or four weeks what I thought was my maintenance, just to let my weight settle. I think it's about three weeks actually. It might not even been four weeks. I just think that's actually made so many more improvements to my like well-being and to my uh, I don't want to use the word metabolism but essentially it's just like diet fatigue's completely gone um, like my appetite regulation is far better than it was it's a bit shit this Christmas because I've just craved crap but I think that's because you kind of got this vicious cycle of eating shit and craving shit whereas I think if you know we've talked about it before about removing some of this dieting um, variant or flexibility and kind of keeping it a bit more whole foods it does it genuinely does work in stopping you craving so much junk food I think and it helps with, uh, like uh, naturally manage your appetite better I think what after the Christmas period and I get back to that it'll, it'll kind of revert back to obviously a bit easier to maintain this this whole appetite thing but I just think that time period just does so much to almost heal you that's probably the best way the only way I can describe it um, and I think it's more it is very much to do with just not being in a deficit for a long period of time like months and months like for some people it might even be years they might be required to kind of get to a normal state depends on how on kind of their diet and history and stuff but they might literally take that long but i think you can't undo that in like big surfaces it has to be time it has to be a long time and just kind of seeing it through um which therefore obviously requires you as i say to reduce that surplus because if not you just get too fat too quick does that make sense that's a, just, yeah. just something huge that i think that from personal experience that i've learned this year because um, obviously I guess it's not something new like it's not like you probably like that's not logical and like it's it, something you said one of the first things you talked about today is kind of you didn't really have a penny drop moment so it wasn't really a penny drop moment it's more the fact that 
over the time I've just kind of thought, you know what, actually, I kind of knew the theory and knew that this was a thing, but actually I've now experienced it firsthand and thought this has just made such a difference. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, what, it's one that I've gone through with Ben this year, with one of our clients, and he we've gone from, I think we started, was it March time we started with each other, and we have not had a mini cut since. Like, he was lean. He was, like, leaner than most people would be able to get. So it's a bit like kind of coming from that photo shoot condition up to a point where he's still got abs. Like, but we have increased, we have uh, pretty much doubled his calorie intake, um, which is a lot if you think about it. Uh, even in, you know, uh, and he, all his weights have gone up in all of his uh, lifts, things like that. You know, they, they've gone up all throughout the year, pretty consistently as well. Um, uh, but we didn't I've always 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 had the approach of slow and steady wins a race when it comes to adding in calories and unless you're dropping weight or you've maintained for you know a multiple of weeks um, you don't touch the calories just just keep just keep going and it's so boring for them and for, not for a coach I suppose but like it's not the excitement of dieting where you're seeing changes week to week like the changes are the same. The photos aren't really changing. The calories aren't really changing. It's same again. Keep pushing. Same again. Keep pushing. Keep your training up. Like that's the exciting bit, though. The training, um, and it, like we literally have, we've gone from what he was maintaining on like sixteen hundred calories to well over three thousand calories now. Um, on a but then we, we we've kind of played with things throughout the, the time. Though we've had some higher and lower days, we've had all days the same things like that. You know, we we've played with it, and now we've got a real good blend. And in the new year, we're about to do our first mini cut, but that's more of a psychological thing, more so than a case of, oh God, you've got a bit of fat. And it's not a case of, you know, he's now looking like fat bastard from Austin Powers because he really doesn't. He's still really really slim com- compared to most people. Um, so, you know, we'll take a couple of weeks and just chip back. But I think what you were saying about the, it just something to add to what you were saying. Sorry. So you're saying about, you know, all the diet fatigue goes and all that sort of stuff. But also I find massively when you're constantly going on diet breaks, it really disrupts your training. Um, so I remember when I really devoted a lot of time to gaining and I got up to heavier than I've ever been. I was up at like 87, 88 kilos. Um, and I, I'm a very light person, naturally I'm very light. Um, I, at the moment, 80-odd kilos, and I was up at 88 kilos, and I felt horrific. I felt really bad and bloated and fat and just, yeah, you know, a lot of it's psychological, especially coming from being so lean earlier in the year, um, and uh, and I had a mini cut for four weeks, and it just killed my training, and it, it took me ages to get it back, um, just because after a couple of weeks, you you start to just notice, because you're in such a steep deficit as well in a mini cut, so you just start to notice the fact that you haven't quite got the energy that you had before, things like that. So then your training starts to suffer. Then it gets in your head that your training's suffering. So it just completely unravels everything. And especially when you've been making PB like week on week on week. And then all of a sudden to have this four weeks where your training's just completely been destroyed. Um, it's Psychologically, it's a nightmare. I, I um, think I think that is mostly psychological though. Mm, yeah, yeah, gonna, no, yeah, it probably is, yeah. I, th- I think it's very individualized. Don't get me wrong. But um, I found from my... Mostly me rather than clients, to be honest. I found mostly me, with myself, if I can use proper English, um, I can generally get through four weeks without any sufferer performance in, in yeah. quite a drastic mini-cut. Um, and I don't know if that's because I go in, I've kind of taught myself to go in the mentality of maintain what you're doing, you'll be right. 
and you know kind of still train that mentality is kind of just actually you know, do you know what this don't feel too bad this session actually i think i can still get the same numbers i did and inevitably i've still managed to even progress in some parts of it but that's, that's why i think obviously a lot of it might be psychologically or or just very individualized yeah no i know i do agree and i know that everybody's their own worst nightmare a lot of the time um and i always when people say oh my training stalled or whatever and and i kind of like sometimes i slightly struggle to 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 comprehend because i know like i've already lifted the weights i'm going to lift before the session like i already know exactly what i'm going to lift and i know if i'm going to pb today or not um and i'll go in there knowing that and then i do it and i'm like brilliant um but and then at the same time i get the flip of that or i've not eaten much today so that could impact my training or like yeah you kind of get in your own head for good yeah. and for worse i think yeah, yeah no i agree i agree but cool um i don't think any more on on that i think let's say just just to reiterate time time in a surplus is just a big thing so if you've dieted for huge amounts of your life like i did spend a lot of time in a in a maintenance type phase or cause don't underestimate how important that is just even maintenance or just a very small surplus so yeah just to reiterate my point is like i've learned that i don't need such a large surplus and that literally 100 200 calories is more than enough to progress it just yeah that's it i know we've, we've summed it up but just think how easy that makes as a transition for people yeah, but it's, it's also shit. It's also a shit transition though for someone that's been dieting for ages. That's the that's the negative point, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the the problem is, I think a lot of people get into this mentality of diet, diet, diet. I can stick to it because I know the fucking rock and roll times are coming, bro. That's like <laughs> no, you're not. You're just getting about an extra four hundred calories. Like shit, that is literally a bowl of cereal. It's like fuck, and that that can be quite depressing. That's the thing. That's why I don't think it's necessarily that good a transition because people expect that a bulking season is eat all the food. And inevitably, that's where they go wrong because it's not eat all the food. It's literally just a small increase. It's not. It's but nothing. again, it can it can be if you decided like that's my personal choice to go for a small a small increase for into to put me in a surplus. Um, because I wanted to maintain some sort of composition as opposed to getting massively heavy. But you could like you have done like we people have done. Obviously, you wouldn't recommend it as a coach but if people what well, free, free decide week. to do a big dirty bulk yeah yeah and then yeah, if yeah. they're they're commit if they're fine and they're happy that they know at the end of it it's the same as christmas isn't it? it's the same thing we've been saying you're an adult you know the consequences of eating yeah. Yeah. all the food over christmas means that if you've been in a diet phase and you thought fuck it i'll just go for broke all over christmas then cool go for it but you know if you want to get back on track it's going to be a little bit of a bump, uh, harder road to walk on for a bit, a bit longer. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So unless, like, unless you've got a competition coming up or a show, you put your goals back probably X amount of time. Yeah. As well, a, I, I, a person. I suppose it's a bit like we said in our Christmas pre-Christmas episode of just do it eyes open, do it, do it mindfully, at least do it knowing what the consequences are or knowing what the outcome might be. Because oh. um, you know the studies out there, what was it the the, the overfeeding study of six hundred calories and like the, the, the group that only had like a hundred calories or hundred, two hundred calories or something grew as much extra muscle as the people that had six hundred calorie mus um extra. They just put on more body fat. I was mm. like, well, kinda at least if you know that, you can then make that adult choice, I suppose, of deciding, you know, knowing the consequences of what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um we're at an hour and ten minutes odd, so anything else that people think 
really stuck out what we learned this year? Um, is there anything that has stuck out for people in a negative way? Like anything that just to flip it, just for uh, five minutes. Well, yeah. What well, one thing I've learned is that just basically pay no attention to anybody else in the fitness industry most of the time. <laughs> like, no, ge- genuinely, I mean that. Like, I suppose it's good. it does lead a little bit to like your whole point, Paul, about impressing other people. Like, basically, if you're if you're too focused on other people in the industry, you end up trying to impress them and not actually your audience, and then your audience turns around to be like, not give a shit. So, unless you're looking at getting PTs as clients, don't write your content for other PTs or other nutritionists. Um, and also, like, just the more you focus on what other people are doing. In fact, actually, this reminds me of a post Steve Hall put out today where he said about he had someone plagiarise some of his work and he obviously has yeah. had lots of people plagiarise his work. And he said the irony is he used to do unknowingly something similar in that he would imitate people rather than plagiarise. So basically he would look up to people that he, that he respected and basically try and do similar stuff because they were successful and obviously he would try and do similar stuff to be successful himself. And the, his point of his post was that ironically when he stopped doing that and he felt like he had the confidence to just ignore what they were doing, or not ignore them, but basically not take so much... Um, inspiration for them and just start doing his own thing he got better and his stuff was better and actually started to become obviously like this this inspiration of other people so I guess there is definitely some truth to that and it's just like just focus on your own shit and just forget what other people are doing because most of it's either shit or it's just not going to be you and you're not going to be authentic and I think kind of off the back of that like stop being a groupie whore as well Um, let me explain Uh, so like, there's been a big thing this year with like not that probably like 90% of the people who listen to this would know but those who are kind of um, know a lot of the more uh, trying to like think of a way of sort of describing them without uh, blowing their own asses um, blowing smoke up their own asses that's a <laughs> more common phrase yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, don't, so, worry, don't worry mate like, it's, all, it's all water under the carpet you ain't got to worry <laughs> um the kind of like the 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 teachers within the the nutrition world and the fitness world and things like that people they 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 worship the ground some of them walk on and then as soon as like one bad bit of whatever comes out about them they're 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 first ones to to slag them off and then they'll go and like migrate to another teacher or another you know uh or whatever you want to call them, um, and then then something bad will come out about them, and then that'll be it. They'll be the first to slag them off again, and then they'll just move to somebody else. Like, yeah, take teachings and learnings and lessons and stuff from people, but just stop becoming so obsessed with people, and then like flipping a one eighty on them and Unless completely like. Pardon? Unless it's us. Unless it's be, us. Yeah. Be, be obsessed because, with us. Yeah, nothing ever, ever, ever bad is going to come out about us. Um, it's a funny thing though, because like. Uh, I did it over a no I, did, I didn't do it but I was like the people who you learn from like so I know we talk about Martin McDonald a lot and like people get really obsessed with him and then if something bad was to come out like you then have to like move to somebody else because but they're still the same person they're still like teaching the same things and unless it comes out that they've like been teaching you completely the wrong things um, just because it's something bad that they've done in their personal life or whatever like if they're a bit of an arsehole or something then um, yeah it, still the same person so you don't have to slag them off and you don't have to rip them a new one like there was a whole thing with um alan aragon and it's like everybody now is like oh he's um 
he's not credible anymore. It's like he's still an amazingly intelligent bloke. He is still very well read. He's still very well written. He still like publicizes loads of shit about nutrition that is true. Um, just because he did like a bad thing or a naughty just, thing, just because like... he's got a few wandery hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not got a wandering eye. He's got a wandering hand. Uh, <laughs> just because he did that doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything he's ever written is now false. Um, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That was one um, hell of a rant. So... Did. That was one hell of a rant. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think just as so we're not um, obviously condoning anything, any bad behaviour, but also yeah, like like Ged's trying to say is. His work is his work. You, you can get benefit from someone's work, even if they're a bit of a git. It doesn't like you don't like, need to like them personally. I didn't like Einstein personally because I didn't know him, but his stuff still stands. Yeah, like, I guess it's what, that was one of the big yeah. things in 2018 that happened, wasn't it? The whole Aaron mm. thing. Um, with it, like most people listening might not even know who he is, or I'll say most, a lot of people listening might not know who he is, or a lot of people might not give a shit. But within the fitness industry, that was quite a massive talking point when that when these accusations came out. Um, so yeah, I guess it's a, high, a big, big highlight's not the right word, but a prominent feature of 2018 for us, I suppose. Drama point. I'm just also say that at the start of Ed's comment, um, with groupie whores, um, accepting groupie whores, if we got any. <laughs> We, we will be creating we... a Facebook group for groupie whores. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got two. Everyone? Well, we said we had two nice comments. So oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Not, not... <laughs> no, I wasn't ever going to use the W word. It does begin with a W, Ed, before you... Or groupies. <laughs> um, no, so, you know, we've got, a, we've got a few nice people that follow us. And, you know, I genuinely, like, I just, maybe this is a nice point right now, but I love, I do genuinely really, really appreciate people reaching out and... Um, spending the time to tell us that they you know kind of enjoy the stuff that we do because it's not like we get paid for this stuff we do it for our own enjoyment so it's really nice to hear and just on that I'm going to quote Martin McDonald because um, it's probably not, probably not even his quote actually it's probably someone else's but he's obviously seen and used it a few times but obviously feedback or positive feedback never given is like a Christmas gift wrapped but never delivered I've I may have butchered that but I think it's quite good <laughs> Got one on my side for a mate. You know, I forgot to take it to him, so I've got a Christmas present wrapped, and it's not been given. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, people should, if they have nice feedback, should take the time to to tell people. <clears throat> Agreed. Absolutely. And on that note. On that note, yes. Um, well, on that note, I would just like to wish everyone a incredibly happy New Year tonight. Because although it's tomorrow, it's actually tonight when people are listening to this, assuming they listen on a Monday. If you've already had New Year's Eve and you're listening in retrospect, I hope you had a great night and didn't get too drunk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't drink too much, kids. Stay safe. And remember, New Year's is still pretty shit because Christmas is over and then you've got to start your diet on January the 2nd. So. Because that's what everyone does. First right? goes out the window. Yeah, the first is out the window. Yeah, I say no one starts a diet on January the 1st. No one. It's like, oh, I'm too drunk, I'm hungover, I need all the food, I'll start it tomorrow. And inevitably, if they're not back to work till, say, the 3rd, actually, I'll just start it when I get back to work on the 3rd. And then it's the end of the week, so you may as well start the following Yeah, and it's like, yeah, exactly. I'm going back to work on the Wednesday, so I may as well. I'll just... I'll just eighty. Oh, all right, Mr. I work in a school. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. It's like, everyone starts to start it to the, to the weekend after. Why not? I'll just give it another week. Might as well binge my tits off a bit more. Started in February. 
I know that's my birthday. <laughs> I can't can't do that. And then, and then obviously yeah. can't start that in March because we're getting too close Easter. to Easter. Yeah. Jokes, bro. Jokes. Mm. Let's um, wait that, till January again. Now, in, a, in a serious note, I hope everyone had an amazing year. I hope people have enjoyed the content we put out, and genuinely, thank you all for your support. Um, and merry Christmas. Yeah, and as we said, keep an eye on all the socials for any. We've got the obviously the photo shoot type thing that people can get involved with. Yeah. And other things that will be coming up in two thousand and nineteen. Well, let's just spend. I know we're kind of then finishing up, but um, obviously the photo shoot thing. Uh, if people want to get involved, there will be a reasonably central location. Um, but the rest of the nutrition coaching is obviously all online, so you don't need as long as you're prepared to travel for a photo shoot, you can still get involved. Um, and like Ed said, I think somewhere through, um, we have still most of us, I think, got some spots available um, for one-to-one coaching if they want. So, if you do want a bit of support coming up in January and you like the idea of working with someone that will become your friend for money. Uh, no, I joke. I joke. I'm just being I'm funny. Joking. I'm just yeah. I've heard that. I'm just being funny. God. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Seriously. If anyone does want any help, then get in touch uh, and we'll have a chat and see how we can help you. And obviously, if we can't, don't pass I'm anything. Back, I'm back with the photo shoot because we never really discussed it. But shall we say that we could make that the first ever sort of no nonsense nutrition sort of social after? Um, yes. That's it. Well, we've got to do it now because Paul's just said it on the podcast. Yeah. So fuck. No, we will anyway. To be honest. Um, yeah, I just figured we might think of that later down the line, but I just thought of it then. Technically, it's second social because we did one after um, Rough Runner. That we did burgers. Burgers with uh, obviously the the lovely Vicky Spooner came with for burgers. So and Ed's missus as well, Alex. And ben. so oh, and Ben. They oh yeah, he's a client. Yeah. yeah. So there, Paolo, second. Um, Yeah, cool. cool. Right, on that note, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.